to another episode of the Cross-Curricular Dance Teacher with me, Maria Craig Gibson. This episode with Chris Shepard was recorded back in July, right before he left to move to Atlanta. I had just read the book The Dispossessed by Ursula K. Le Guin, and that's what got us on this conversation about Iron Man. Tony Stark's legacy. Tony Stark's legacy was built on making weapons. Okay. Specifically was gotcha. making weapons. He's the one that did this, right? Like, With oh no, that's Master Shifu on Kung Fu Panda. My bad. <laughs> oh, um, wait, what? But you know what? He like, you know, yeah. spo- surely everyone's watched it. He's yes. the one who grabbed the hand of... Of the man, the gray man with the glove with the rocks in it. Yes, Thanos. Okay, yes. Yes, carry on. yes, yes. 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 <laughs> that that man, his whole legacy was based on making weapons. Something tra- tra- something traumatic happened to him to where he pivoted from making weapons to protecting the world. Which, honestly, when you think of weapons, you think of protection, or I'm using this to protect, mm-hmm. but with different minds. Now it's, mm-hmm. oh, it's attack and being the aggressor as opposed to defensive capabilities. So he created a suit of armor. And with that suit of armor, he said, I'm going to use this to protect people, even though it's the best weapon, Mm -hmm. but he's using it in a different mindset. He's using a different mindset for that, Mm -hmm. as well as his arc reactor for his heart was also clean energy. So him changing his mindset and using his tools that he already has, Mm -hmm. but now it's to help people. Right. That's what I think of in terms of like this perfect world of capitalism and right. the collective mindset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Like having that influence to help change. Help change some Right. Things. Is that post-capitalism? Post-capitalism? I'm not sure. I really don't know. And the reason why I say that is I think you need it in some cases to mm. to always create and right. to edge out into iron sharpens iron. Right. It's right. Iron Man. Iron <laughs> sharpens iron. But also the the having that one person or having those people or those collective minds where they're all trying to better themselves. But it's mm. a healthy competition as opposed to like I'm just better. Right. Yes, I am bettering myself yeah, to think help it, those around me. Yeah, I think it's just a, I think it's just a, a mindset. I don't know. Maybe even intention, like what what is your purpose and intention of right. doing this work? Right. Get that. And that's really that's really hard to think about. I mean, because that goes into like different corporations, which then goes into my thoughts on Apple and how I think Apple Skynet. <laughs> and, oh man. But now, I'm I'm a Google head. Oh. But now Google's everywhere. So Google might be Skynet. I don't know what we're talking about right now. but <laughs> So this got on to the subject because I'm reading a book about the moon man. Oh, <laughs> and living in an anarchist society. <laughs> and it reminded you of Iron Man. It did. Yes. It yeah. did. Okay. And that's why I was like, I better hit record because... Hi, Chris Shepard. Hi. How are you? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Excellent. <laughs> Good. Welcome to the Cross Curricular Dance Teacher, where we talk about things applicable to the classroom that people don't think are applicable. Hmm. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you're here, too. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to see us before you leave us. Ugh, it's okay. We're not bitter. It's okay. It's fine. We're happy for you. I'll visit. Yeah, I'll you visit. really will. I know that you 
are never actually going to leave because you'll just always get pulled back to do more. Always. <laughs> and that's that's the goal. That's the plan. I like that. I love that you accept that as a truth. Oh, definitely. Because some people are like, never, never again. Mm-mm. No. It's, it's one of those things where, like, when people say, oh, you forgot where you came from. Well, I mean, I'm in the, the school of Kanye West where he always talks about Chi-Town, even though he didn't stay there. Oh. But he always talks about Chi-Town when he was living in New York. He always okay. talks about Chi-Town when he's living in L.A. And he's always bringing up newer artists. Like, mm-hmm. um, I remember when he did his collaboration with Chance the Rapper. We talked about D-Ray Davis. So it was it's that thing where I'm leaving for opportunity and influence. Mm-hmm to bring it back to my city and to push this culture forward. I think that's beautiful. So, And when I say culture, I'm talking about the arts culture. I'm talking about dance culture, the community for all people, African-Americans, um, Latin, Latinx, for the Asian communities. And it's just to push the culture forward. What more can we do? As opposed to people thinking Oklahoma City and you just think of a banjo. So I always hear teepees. People are like, do you live in a teepee? I've heard that too. I've heard that too. I, I think the first thing they think of is, is cowboys. Yes. But also, I mean, we get bundled up with Texas too. Right. So it's either the cowboy or the indigenous mm-hmm. native people. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, it's, really, it's really different. Which, sure. if you think indigenous or native, it's all of America as right. opposed to... Turtle well, Island. Before America was America. It was For all sure. of all of this land. Most definitely. Which I just realized that I, I don't know what tribe I am, but I, I am part Native and or Indigenous. Oh, congratulations. Uh, thank you, thank you. I learned from my from my grandmother. And <laughs> Thanks, my grandma. mother's friend that said it. And I was like, how do you know? I was like, I've known your mom for years. So I was like, all right, cool. Well... I guess I'm this, but I have no idea. I yeah. don't know. Have you contemplated like an ancestry test or anything like that? I have. Specifically, there's this AfricanAncestry.com yeah. that I really wanted to get into. That would be cool. Because, I mean, I know I identify as black and or African-American, but the thought of African-American and how that continues, that's a whole deep hole. But right. The reason why I say black and not African-American at first, and then my mind has changed, was I didn't know what my African-American mm-hmm. or my African roots were. I, yeah. didn't, I had no idea. So it was easier to say black. Of course. But also, I know that it's there, even though I don't mm-hmm. know exactly what it is. I know it's there. So why can't I say that? Both are acceptable. But one is, I mean, black can go into many cultures. Black can mm-hmm. be Latinx as well, because there are African or darker tone latinx mm, people yeah. that they can still consider black right so i don't know it's it's just different and it's me learning what all of it is at first i thought i was puerto rican oh really <laughs> i really did oh that's fun yes my close cousin um my my first cousin michael jordan yeah i know michael jordan he okay. is he is black and puerto rican <laughs> and we have the same complexion and everything but hmm. i we are i i am not puerto rican well at, so this- one more step in self. So I think that is actualization. What if you are all of the things that you re- you listed? Then, wow, I don't know. I think that that would be amazing. I think that would be cool, and yeah. I think it dives into how many more cultures I can, you know, learn about. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what I think yeah. about. I think it's just all about learning. Yeah, 
what else what else can I learn about myself or about my people and and having a sense of identity Segway. Segway. Tell us everything that you want us to know about you. Oh, well. <laughs> so you're you're black African American. I am black and or African American. Maybe not Puerto Rican. Maybe not Puerto Rican. Definitely indigenous. I've heard that I'm indigenous. Gotcha. I'm not, I'm not going to Well, I mean I can well, I, don't, I don't even know if I can claim it, but I'm just going to say that maybe perhaps mm-hmm. stay tuned. <laughs> yes. We're waiting for the update. We're yes, looking waiting for the update. So, <laughs> yes, I am all of those things or well, some of those things. Some of those things, all of those things, Most but I can't say yeah. none. I can't say none. For but sure. Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? Um, I am Christopher Shepard. My stage name is Twix, which is hilarious. Twix came from, I grew up with a lisp, so I was called Twigs growing up because I'm skinny and I'm still skinny. And when someone asked me what my nickname was, I was like, my grandma called me Twix. But I grew up with a lisp, and it stuck. I got made fun of, and I hated the name. I hated the candy bar. I hated everything about it. And I was like, I don't like this at all. And uh, it took a couple girls in middle school. Oh, those middle school girls. (laughs) It took a couple girls in middle school to where they heard it or heard that nickname. And they kind of made it, like, sound cool. Or or made it to be like oh it's something it that's attractive cute. it was it was good it was cute it made me feel nice and I was like all right I think I'm gonna go by this nickname it took me years later to fully adopt it but once I did it just it just grew from there so I am Chris Twix Shepherd Larry will oh wait my husband will always go into any dance situation and be like is candy bar here <laughs> Chris yeah. <laughs> Twix? Yes! Yes, Larry. Chris is here. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. It's funnier because people ask me what my favorite candy bar is. I mean, I like Twix. It's not my favorite. But then again, it changes. It's everything chocolate. So I can't even be mad at candy bar. Yeah. I get in less trouble with actual Twix if my nickname was candy bar. But I don't know how I can swing that. You know... So. <laughs> Larry is just a special dude, and if it doesn't get adopted, we won't mind. <laughs> hey, if my nickname changes to Candy Bar in the next year, yeah, shout out to Larry. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually because of the 10 people that listen to this podcast. <laughs> but, hey, it's fine. <laughs> All right, cool. So what else would you say is Chris Twix Shepherd? I am a entertainer. I'm a performer. Um, I'm a leader. I'm a leader of, of the dance community of, I'm, I'm a leader for whoever wants to follow me. Um, <laughs> I like that. I love to be a mentor. I love to, to shape and mold minds, people, thoughts, thoughts, processes. Um, I'm a lover learning to be a fighter. I was a fighter <laughs> at an early age and then I had to learn to be a lover and now I'm a lover who has to learn how to fight again. So, yeah, yeah there's that. Um, Cyclic. Very. Yeah. Very. I, what else? I love hip-hop, and I love the culture of hip-hop, which is black culture, African-American culture, but it it's a it's tied into so many different cultures than, than just. Mm-hmm. I have mentors throughout Oklahoma City that have shaped me into the man that I am now. And I want to do nothing more than to uplift them, uplift their voices because I am because they were or because they are. I'm an actor. 
that learned how to dance, that is learning how to sing. Oh, that's fun. And learning how to use their voice. So that is who I am. Yeah, I think I think that's, that's it. A, that's awesome. That's so, <laughs> you're so many things. Yes. So many hyphens. <laughs> so many hyphens. Yeah. We love hyphens. And I like to add more, so that's yeah, something else. Absolutely. Did you know that June was African American Music Appreciation Month? You know what? I honestly did not. So I I know today is technically July fifth, mm-hmm. but I feel like you have a very strong opinion about this. So who do you feel like should get more acknowledgement for their work during African American Music Appreciation Month? Who? Honestly, in in terms of like naming different people i think you should just name regions and each region should be highlighted because wherever you are Mm. there are great musicians out there like specifically if i was going to go oklahoma city Mm. or in tulsa there is a whole group crew city full of great musicians off the top of my head i say original flow yeah jb Tony Foster Jr., Serafina, you have Nia Monet. It, there's so many artists, artists that lived here and then moved out. Adam mm-hmm. and Kizzy, I, I love them dearly. There, there's so many, so many artists here, Tulsa, but that those are just two regions. So you can go to any city in America. You can go outside and you'll notice so much culture and so much passion. And then you'll notice different sounds. Yes. So usually when you're talking about music or or African-American music or hip-hop in general, you go by regions for movement and and sound. Mm. Like Houston has a slower sound where everything's chopped and screwed. Forgive me, uh, I I feel like I just blanked on the name of the the original DJ that would produce and or would make those mixtapes. But he had a sound that was specific for that region. And then that expanded outwards. That's where you have artists like... Paul Wall, Slim Thug, and they all and they all capitalized on that sound as well. Then you go to the East Coast where Biggie reigns king and then Jay-Z took the crown and he and he turned it into the best rapper alive and then it just flows. You have Nas and those they're all their all those artists and this is just hip hop. So who knows whenever you're talking about R and B, funk, soul in in their regions so i think when you're talking about african-american music appreciation month i mean it's appreciated everywhere or it's appreciated it should be appreciated all the time but i think if we're going to talk about the month it should highlight in the areas or in in the different regions and each day each area i'd say know know your music where you are first And then let it seek out in in those different areas. It should just pop up. So, yeah, I did have a strong opinion over this. I I knew you would. (laughs) I had no idea that it would come out like this. But, hey. Someone needed to poke it out. Poke the bear. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So what have you learned during, I guess I should actually preface this. You are the community liaison of Race Dance Collective? Oh, of race. Yeah. Um, in race. Oh, I guess I should have said that too. Oh yeah. See, so many hyphens. <laughs> so many hyphens. What else? Uh, well, I guess this is a jump back to our previous thoughts. Was what else would I like people to know about me, or what mm-hmm. else am I involved with? I am a nine, almost ten year vet into race dance collective. This is, would have been my sixth, fifth, or sixth no sixth year as a in leadership, 
And before I even had a title under leadership, I, I mean, I was just a leader and I would lead by example, but I guess over the past three years, three or four years, I was the community of engagement director. And the name would change there too. It was like community outreach manager, community outreach director, mm-hmm. community engagement director. It, and it, it, just, it just flowed, but I, it was all of the jobs that I've always been doing and leading by example because I was yeah. still dancing and performing. So, yeah. What was the path from you join race mm-hmm. and then you join leadership and you're specifically focused on community engagement what okay well i joined race um 2013 oh wait late 2012 this was december 2012 after the first hip-hop nutcracker i was in the audience and i joined race then i met he about a month prior over also three months of me waiting to talk to her <laughs> because she would come out of uh, the dance class, or, uh, the classroom at um, University of Central Oklahoma, UCO, at the Wellness Center. I remember because I would play basketball every day oh. just just because, just the, just the past time I would play basketball. But I always looked across the um, room and I would see the dance class and she would have classes during that time that I was playing basketball. And I fell in love and watching the dancers have fun. I thought that would be cool, but I never had the the confidence to go up and and say that until one day. One day I would catch her because she leaves her classrooms quick. This yes. is the time where she would tote her um her travel bag <laughs> with her like on a roller and I had no idea she would hit a corner and disappear like like in a movie or Batman or whatever. Moves so fast. <laughs> Moves so fast. And she was always on a mission. So I caught up to her one day and I asked her, I said, um, hi, I introduced myself. Hi, I'm Chris Shepard. You may not know me, but I wanted to know how do I, how do I join your class? How do I dance? I want to dance. And thankfully, gratefully, and luckily she took that and immediately pivoted from not only just dancing in a class with her or dancing in her class, but also pivoted and offered me the opportunity. She asked me, do, what do you do? And I said, I do hip hop. I'm a hip hop dancer. And she said, I said it with such confidence that there was no, there was no wavering. Usually when people talk about hip hop dancing, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a, I, I do like this. A it's like a back burner. But yeah. no, this was like, this is what I do. Mm-hmm. And she plugged me into John Ariete. And from there, that he was the director of um, Men of Race at that time. And I got into the company. Yeah. Or I was on my way to getting into the company. It took a month for me to watch the show and immediately yeah. after Hip Hop Nutcracker, I knew what they were about. So I think around that time, I just, I was, I was a dancer. I was in it. I was deep. I was embedded. (laughs) And then while you're within, you're dancing now. While I'm dancing. What led you to be like, I want to do this kind of work? I think over time, it was always this, and, and, and John said this every, every year or every three months was everything that we do, we have to level up. Everything that you do, whatever you're doing, level up. Mm-hmm. And during that time, I would I would go in and I I was I was not good at choreography at all or, <laughs> or dancing choreography. I was you play music, I dance. That was my training. That was my whole forte. So for me to go from there to learning choreography, learning somebody else's movement, yep. learning their movement style, as well as remembering the moves 
and the timing it goes with it and their in- basically their interpretation of how they listen to music mm-hmm. learning how to do that yep that was a struggle for me because i had my own interpretation <laughs> of how to dance to music but i had to learn a whole different style and it was completely different from my style but he also had a partner brandon graves or bg who i moved a lot similar like and it was coincidental because i was um enamored by his movement because i saw him play the dad in hip-hop nutcracker who i wanted to be so bad as soon as i saw that show i really wanted that but i gravitated to his style because he he his his very similar build a couple years older than me but i could see myself in him Mm -hmm. and i was like oh i i want to be like that guy Mm -hmm. even though the shorter filipino yeah great great movement i didn't have this movement quality yeah until years later but learning it was a it was a big giant learning curve and over that learning curve oh yes <laughs> <You're good. laughs> but over that learning curve i think within the year i got better mm-hmm. and then the next year happened and my confidence grew when my confidence grew my voice grew usually when i go into new environments i'm quiet mm. i'm reserved mm-hmm. i don't really speak much don't really speak to anybody because I'm, I'm just learning if I can be myself or yeah. how much can I express. Yeah. But I want to say within three years, I was fully, fully enamored, fully expressive. Um, for after the fourth, fifth, yeah, after the fourth year into the company, I was like, okay, what's the next level? The next level was how do I do leadership? How do I, how do I influence other people like they influenced me? Yeah. So I thought that was the next level. Um, it turns out around that time, those two for the director and, and the director role were leaving. Mm-hmm. So me and another friend of mine, Austin Nieves, we filled right on in. He played the John role where he was like the, the I, can't, I can't even say bad cop, but he was the bad cop. Everything oh. was strictly business, business, oh, business. Yeah, yeah. And I was the good cop where I would, if, I would lead by example. And we would lead by example together, but it was it was more of a of a push and pull. I definitely could see that because I do think of Austin as like he is like the businessman. Yeah, and you are a Pisces. Yes, <laughs> I am very much a Pisces. <laughs> Loading with the vibes, having a good time. Yes, and then it would flip when we get to showtime. Oh, that's the thing. Our personalities completely flip. And it worked that way because they got me as this vibe person until you get on stage. Yeah. When it's time to perform, Mm. it's time to do the work. It's time to do your job. He was was focused on the preparation for it Mm. where this is what we need to get to the next level. This is what we need to get to the next level. This is what we need to get to the next level. While I'm, we're getting to the next level, but we have to have fun doing it. (laughs) Yeah, that's a really good balance. And then at the flip, the performance was... For, for Austin, this is the celebration. Celebrate. And for me, it was, it's time to go to work. Right, right. This is what we, this is what we're here. This yeah. is what we're here to do. You want to level up? This is what we do. And it was, it was, a, it was a complete flip to where we're completely, complete opposites, but we balance each other yeah. that well. So I, I, really, I really love that time. It's beautiful. That time specifically. So, yeah. Wonderful. That's I think that's my story of how I became in leadership. Yeah. And then I want to say after two years, it kind of shaped and formed. So as opposed to being co-directors for 
the men of race, mm-hmm. then it brought into community engagement. Mm-hmm. Community engagement, at first, I had no idea what exactly the work was, and I had to f- kind of figure it out. I had some help um, with our previous board of directors, Dana Morrow, mm-hmm. whom i known since I was seven years old here. Oh. Yeah. Wow. She knew me when I was in a theater troupe uh, called Rhythmically Speaking. Yeah. And in that theater troupe, I grew up um, in that theater troupe until about 22. Wow. So now I'm, what, 25, 26, around that age before uh-huh. I started working with Dana again through race. And with that, we were partnered with Neighborhood Arts and we were putting on a show. First, it was a black history show where I wanted to talk about the history of hip hop as well as connecting it to the Arinka symbol, Sankofa, which is go back, to get, go back and get it. Or to flip to say, understand your past, that way you can know your future. Yeah. And I wanted to use that through the lens of hip-hop dance and how its music changed and how it became about or what makes hip-hop unique from different genres. And that opened up what was community engagement at that time, but also it was outside events. Mm-hmm. And I think what also helped helped me understand community engagement was I was out in the community. I would yeah. go out to um, student performances, student showcases. I would go out to different high schools as well as to teach, yeah. like Putnam City or Putnam City North. We and love it. Northwest Classen. And I would see Millwood and or or originally one with you at yeah, Douglas. Yeah, Douglas. Yes. It was a good so time. <laughs> there, was, there was a lot of opportunity for me to be out and I mean, I was already out in the city as rhythmically speaking, going Mm. out to different public libraries, but it kind of rekindled that flame to go out and and see what else is out there. I would be out um, with Groovement community or with Team Swish at the time where we would be outside dancing, dancing with a boom box and and cardboard boxes, kind of like how you see on TikTok right now with the subway dancers. And so we would be, it, it was that. But then it was more of a business role where, okay, how do I add all of Race Dance Collective with this as opposed to just myself? Mm-hmm. But I was, I believe I was perfect for that job because I was out in the community already doing work. Mm-hmm. But now I'm putting, I'm adding and I'm bringing race with me. Yeah, absolutely. For that, so. I think that that is a smart move. I think sometimes an issue in education is something good mm-hmm. is only brought into existence because of one person and then that one person leaves and that good thing no longer exists anymore mm-hmm. we see it all the time and one solution and maybe the most effective solution would be having a system in place so the system being race dance collective mm-hmm. has this out this community outreach director mm-hmm. chris did an incredible job we all love working i know all the educators across um public education dance love working with you and it's sad to hear you leave but we're also happy for you and for myself i can speak personally that having that resource kept me in the classroom especially in the douglas days like Mm -hmm. the douglas days was like (laughs) i might not be able to be in the classroom anymore because i am in a place where I don't feel like I can continue forward. So to have race dance come in mm. 
and have you work with the students and like reinvigorate my classroom empowered me to be like, I can keep doing this because I have this resource that enlivens my classroom. So if we were to isolate it to just the one individual, the future Maria probably will have to leave the classroom. <laughs> I, I understand that. <laughs> um, I appreciate that. I think the system that is in place or that we're building and part of it is a late bloom for me. It's, it's, those, it's that thought process of I wish I knew then what I know now. Because if I would have known then what I know now, at that time when I became in leadership or at that time when, I, when, when community engagement, when that director role was there, mm-hmm. I would have already had in place multiple people mm-hmm. to go out as well as their genre or what makes them unique. Right. So that way more work can be done. Yeah. And then even from there and having it broadcast outside of race, but still under that umbrella. That yeah. way there's a protection level there as well. Mm-hmm. And as well as there is a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A professionalism. Not saying that people outside of race aren't professional. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that at all. What I will say is over time there will be a understanding of what race is. For sure. Yeah. And that to some people that are new It'll, it'll kind of be like, okay, well, if they endorse them, then we can until they have their name that can just stand out on their own. Yeah, absolutely. And I like that a lot. Another thing would be um, the mentorship and the mentor mm-hmm. program, which we have the academy. And one thing about the academy that I'm, that I am, that we are working on is getting them connected with the, with the company more. Right now, they are connected under uh, Hip Hop Nutcracker. Yeah. But after Hip Hop Nutcracker, there are a few instances where a couple mm-hmm. members or company members from race will come out and teach with them. But I want them even more yeah. connected. And I want that mentor program to be beyond the academy and let the, and let the academy also go out into different schools as well as studios. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Because I think that to work on the professionalism of a dancer has to be younger. Mm-hmm. Even though you can't be in the company until 18, mm-hmm. there's a lot of prep work that can be done now mm-hmm. to get you ready for that. Um, the company at first was designed to retain talent in Oklahoma City. Right. At first. Yeah. It still is in a, in a case, but also it's to develop leaders, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And I'm going to speak on my experience. My experience and my experience to level up was, okay, I'm doing this for me, 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 me. Mm -hmm. Now it's, what can I do for you? Mm -hmm. Now that I've reached this level, what can I do to give back? Mm -hmm. And giving back at one level is, you can do exactly what I'm doing, but I'm going to teach you how to do it better. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you the information that I know now. Right. That wisdom. That wisdom. Mm -hmm. That way you can push the culture forward. If I can push the culture this forward now, imagine what someone else can do with the information that they have from Jump Street. Yeah. And I think that foundation, I think Race Dance Collective right now is the foundation. And there are other companies in the city that are amazing. Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, Perpetual Motion. (laughs) I love Perpetual Motion. They're excellent. They and have a show like next week. They do have a show like next week. <laughs> Actually, when this comes out, it will be at past. Oh, guess, well, but, well, yeah. <laughs> well, there's that. 
But yes, perpetual motion. Um, my mentor, Al Bostic, has this photo. And in it, there was, it says Oklahoma City Dance Companies. And it's four photos. And one was Oklahoma City Ballet. The second, I can't think, of, I can't remember all of them. But I know Oklahoma City Ballet was on there. And my thought process was 2022, 2023, it'll be four, eight, whatever, how many companies will be in the city, but Perpetual Motion, Oklahoma City Ballet, Race Dance Collective. I, I think I'm blanking on more, but I want to see a whole pamphlet. I want to see a whole book thing where it's about Oklahoma City and its professional work, its professional dancers, its professional company, and what that can bloom in the city or what that can bloom in the state. Because, yes, to retain talent here in Oklahoma City as well as to expand it so that other people can see see what we're doing. Yeah. Kind of like Detroit and how they had um, Motown. The Motown for Oklahoma City would be our work that we're doing here as opposed to the sports teams. Love the sports teams, but other than the sports teams. It's like we have so much talent here. Yes. And nobody's acknowledging it. At all. So, yes, that's part of it. Um, what was the original? <laughs> the original question is, what have you learned during your time with Race Dance Collective? I learned, wow. When I joined Race Dance Collective, I was very young. I was still a teenager. I learned how to be a man. I learned how to accept people, different walks of life, different styles. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned how to be a leader, but also to first to follow. Um, like I said, it was it was very difficult learning choreography <laughs> at that time. It was very difficult, um, as well as understanding someone else's view Mm. of music and interpretation through Mm. their lens and it helped feed mine i learned how to be a teacher through race dance collective an educator and it sharpened my professionalism i remember first joining race and i was late to everything (laughs) yeah (laughs) and it wasn't like me in other venues and i don't know why but it was Mm. it was there and i made it an excuse Hmm. through other venues but over time there was there was there was this this talk and since then i was the advocate for i will show up at this time i will not be late i will set an example and i think over time it, it gave me a reason for I be an example for those around me because it was preparing me for that leadership role. And mm-hmm. as a leader, you don't want to be you don't want to be late. Yeah. You want to be there first. Mm-hmm. You want to be there so that other people can follow. You might be the one with the keys. You so. might be the one with the keys. You might be. So <laughs> But I think yeah, I, I I learned so much. I learned so much under individual people as well as just the company as itself. First starting off first wanting to be a performer it was always about being the star (laughs) what is it to be the star be this be that guy whatever that is be that person whatever that is um and over time it was be a team player but be a star in your role it it was it was like me being on a on like a basketball team (laughs) or or you have your position to play and sometimes your position is to be 
upfront to where people can follow you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's to to play back, but also be as big as if you were if you were playing up front because you're just as important. Mm-hmm. Because what's important is the collective. What's important is the um the whole as opposed to one or two people. And I think that's that's the biggest lesson that I learned. Yeah, that's the biggest lesson that I learned. I wanted to um really push us the community forward as opposed to individual because like you said once that individual is gone what else right what else is there sustains what sustains so i think if we push a community if we push a collective if we push and it doesn't have to be race dance collective but i learned it from race dance collective if we push all of us forward we'll thrive so i appreciate that thank you I think that that is what keeps me circling back to Race Dance Collective is that that idea of the work that they demonstrate. Mm-hmm. They so I think that when we demonstrate what we want our outcomes to be, mm-hmm. we attract more people into that demonstration. And I think that what just as you were saying is is exactly that you were demonstrating and it attracted more people to follow, right? Mm-hmm. Also, um, you know how we were talking about Iron Man in relationship to the book I was reading? Yes. <laughs> the entire time I was thinking like, this is all related to <laughs> Iron Man changing his mind from changing his mindset. Weapons yes. of harm to weapons to help others. Yes. To protect. Very interesting. Yeah. So we've said we talked about this before in the past. I said, would you define yourself as a dancer or as an artist? And you said. I define myself as an artist. I think the box that we place. Actually, I even flipped that. Go for it. I'm going to say the first one first. I say I, I define myself as an artist because as an artist there's so many things you can be but also i will also define myself as a dancer mm-hmm. because i am a dancer i love to dance i study it i practice it and i think artist is a general term mm-hmm. for those that want to escape those boxes and escape those labels yeah without the um what's the word stereotype yeah being of any other thing under that umbrella but also i label myself as a dancer with a label there's a community involved in that what we can name we can understand we can understand it what we can name we can understand there's a community involved with being a dancer Mm -hmm. and me saying i'm a dancer in the dance community helps others want to be that yes but also and or what what Brandy Kelly would say, yes and, <laughs> yes I'm an artist, yes and I'm a dancer, yes am I, yes and I'm an actor, mm-hmm. and through all those labels, there are more labels underneath to where, I guess the general term would be artist. Mm-hmm. But as a dancer, you're an artist. You're, there's artistry in everything that you do. Absolutely. Because but if you say, artist, not but if you say artist, there's more to it. To your artistry. Yeah, absolutely. So can you define it? Can you speak on it? So, yeah. 
I agree. There's my two-parter. I like that. <laughs> because then the question is, what ties your artistry together? What makes it cohesive to you as the artist and to the audience? Hmm. Back to my mentor, Al Bostic. Al Bostic trained me to understand and master my voice, mind, and body. He says it is important as an actor, but knowing him, he calls himself a renaissance man, a renaissance artist. So a renaissance artist is a, is a master or an artist in all fields of, of modern or fine arts, AKA he is a painter, he is a director, he was a dancer at OU, he is an actor, can sing, and he studies all of that by training and mastering his voice, mind, and body. So it ties into it by me understanding my posture and how my posture can change me as an actor and how my posture can also change how I dance. Ballet has a different posture than hip-hop dance. Ballet has a different posture than African dance. Modern has a different posture, but they also tie in the same. Hip-hop and modern tie in with how you use the floor, like a break dancer. Um, ballet ties in to how you can use the floor like a turf dancer and how they're dancing on their toes and sliding depending on the shoes that they wear. It ties in all together as an actor. An actor is one who remembers. Dancers who dance choreography has to be one who remembers. <laughs> yes. um, using your voice. Dancers use their voice, but they use the instrument of their bodies. But they can also use the instruments of their sound. When you're talking about popping and locking, or when you're talking about popping, you have to use your sound, you have to use your breath, the s sounds or the ha, in order for you to really um, engage the muscles, mm -hmm. in order for you to make the pictures that you want to make. Um, in modern and or contemporary, there's breath cues for to use it. So mastering your mind, your body, and your voice can, it all ties in together because human interaction is just that. We understand emotion. We understand um, intensity. We understand different cues that humans make. And they're, we're also amazed in how humans can use their bodies, their voices, and their, and their minds in order to create stories, to create experiences, and for relatability. So I believe my artistry is connected through those three things because it's relatable. I want you to be in awe of the training it took for me to master these skills but I also want it to be relatable because that's what's recognizable, the re relatability. If I'm doing a dance and I'm heartbroken, I want you to experience it as if it's happening in, in real time. But that's the work that we do as an artist to um, shape that thought process right now. And if you can feel that, if you're related, if you have relatability to that, that can help you in whatever instance that may be. If it's joy, like Protectors of Joy, mm -hmm. in our latest show we did in the Loom, if it's 
the feeling of joy and you're able to tap into that and you're able to remember that or remember an instance and you connect that to your artistry, that goes to the audience and they can feel that. They may not be able to explain it, but they can feel it. Mm-hmm. Or then you get stories from the audience where they, they tell you a little bit about them and it it makes that much of a difference. And I think that's what really ties us together. And that artistry can be in any form that can be in any genre regardless if it's dance or not so i think that relatability relatability and experience those are those are the main things that keep the artistry by mastering your mind your voice and your body so So anybody who did not go to elum did i say it correctly yes they should totally have fomo because before (laughs) i am a tourist rising, in case anybody was wondering. Because before uh, Keepers of Joy. Uh, protectors. Protectors of Joy. Yes. We all got a donut. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. The dancing was wonderful, but and also I got to eat a donut. And I just wanted to let you know that I really appreciated that part of the show. <laughs> I appreciate it, too. I did not get a donut. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. We were worried about so many other things. But we're glad you got to experience that donut. What kind of donut was it? Do you know the new donut shop in Midtown? It's called Momo Chop? No. It is a mochi donut shop. I believe... It is between my house where you're currently at and your house. So like I recommend popping in. It's next to McNelly's. Shout out. Yes. Thirteenth <laughs> and uh you can sponsor me. Thirteenth <laughs> and Walker. No, tenth and Walker. Anyways. It's like a teething ring. Mm-hmm. It looks like a teething ring. And they have all the different kinds of flavors of donuts that you wouldn't get at like an American donut shop. Okay. Because it's a mochi donut. So I just, you know. The way you're talking about it brings me joy, <laughs> which connects it to protectors of joy. So I am a nonlinear thinker <laughs> because I think my question was, do you know where the donut got introduced in this planning of the show? No. Someone just showed up with donuts. And we're like, we're gonna give these audience members a little bit of donut between believe, pieces of this. this I believe show. that was between um, Brandy and Sherry and gotcha. the board specifically, because Brandy was running the company. Sherry, well, Brandy was running the artistic side of the of the company. Sherry was the executive, and then the board. So I think that was a, a communication and collaboration between them. Word, gotcha. Specifically, um, in terms of. How can we have an intermission? Mm, yes. But also... Don't lose the audience. Don't lose the audience. <laughs> and we thought them. music and donuts would be great. Also, so. those musicians were incredible. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. They were, yes. Chris and Cole. Yes, yes. They were amazing. Yeah. And and to dance with them was amazing, too. Like, yeah, they, they, were, they were great. Honestly, I thought the donuts was your idea. That's why I brought it up. Oh, no. Just knowing our, like how in our last couple of meetings, mm-hmm. like, hey, there's some snacks. Oh, I'm, I'm definitely the snack man. <laughs> I love snacks. I was like, you know what? I bet Chris had something to do with these donuts. No, no, I did not have anything to do with the donuts. <laughs> I, I, can't, I, can't, I, I can't take credit for that. Nor can I, I appreciate I rem- your honesty. Nor can I remember who actually brought up the idea of those donuts. <laughs> 
but now I want one. <laughs> well, Momocha. Momocha, shout Midtown, out. Midtown, yeah. <laughs> you are going to stop dancing when you move to Atlanta? I'm not going to stop dancing. The reason why I'm not going to stop dancing because one, Atlanta's, Atlanta is a music city, mm. and where there's music, there's dancing. Correct. And the same way people labeled me as just, in, in using that word mm. just, yes, yes. a dancer, is because every time you see me, you will see me dancing at any given time. If there's music and I love it, I will be dancing. I don't feel like you're a picky music person either. I'm not. I'm really not. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, I didn't, I'm, I, I'm not too familiar with country, country music. Yeah, there's some country songs I love. The, kiss in the moonlight. <laughs> I don't want to wake this thing up. I don't want to. There's, there's, there's some country songs that I, that I enjoy. But yeah, when there's music, there's dancing. I'm not going to stop dancing. I think I want to pivot because I really want to focus on film. Mm-hmm. And if it's film and it has dancing in it, I will be doing some dancing. Yeah. But I really want to focus and pivot on film. Um, I love acting, and I don't do enough of it. When was your last acting project? My last acting project. Hmm. See, and that that's how I know it's been too long. I can't even think about it. I did a film 2021. It was on my 27th birthday. I remember that. So it was American Underdog. Oh. I was brought in as a line dancer. So we did some country line dancing. Shout out to American Underdog. Featuring, starring Zachary Levi. Oh, and he plays Shazam. Oh, I got a chance to meet him. All right. I'm going too far. Um, Yes. The last one I did was American Underdog, where I did some line dancing. So there was dancing in it, but it was a film. And I got a chance to dance quite literally next to Anna Paquin, who I didn't know was Anna Paquin at the time. Oh. So there was a rehearsal a couple days prior to it. And when I was brought on to it, at first I wasn't in the original demographic. Mm-hmm. Usually when you see me, you don't think immediate line dancer. I mean, I can do it, but it, I understand. It's not my demographic. Yeah. It's not the, the full look that you were going for. I understand that. I digress. When I was brought on, I was brought on to um, to do the, to do the work to do the line dancing, but also it was to watch this dancer named Anna to make sure she's has the steps that she's that she's that she's good that she's prepared that she's ready. I said, okay, no problem, I can do that. And I've done it countless times with anyone, and as a professional dancer, it's that's my job. I'm going to do it. Hi, I'm Chris. Hi, I'm Anna. Nice to meet you. Are you? Is everything okay? All right. Cool. We're we're doing great. We get on set. We get on set the next day or the next couple days. We get on set and I see her, but I see her in costume and makeup. And I'm like, hey, hi. You you doing good? You ready? And but she's like, skipping. She has someone with her. They're pushing along. I'm like, okay, cool. Everything's fine. I have someone come up to me. He's like, bro, that's Anna Paquin. I was like. I'm not, I'm not sure who that is. I was like, I know, I know Anna. I met her, but and she was, she is the sweetest. Aww. She is definitely the sweetest. And afterwards, after I found out who she was, she was like, Oh yeah, she's in True Blood. I don't watch True Blood. I don't, I didn't know, 
But then there was like, oh yeah, and she played Rogue in X-Men. And that's where the light bulb hit, because I'm a big comic book fan. <laughs> and I will remember all of those early 2000 X-Men movies. And I was like, what? Then my heart sank. It was, it was, it was that, that, that nervous yeah. feeling. Like, oh my gosh, hopefully I'm doing my job right. Hopefully everything's cool. Hopefully oh. everything's fine. Then I have to take a couple deep breaths. I'm like, okay, good. At first, she wasn't the most comfortable Mm. with the with the line dancing mm. but it was one of those things where that's when the professionalism kicked back in yeah and i was and after speaking with her and i, I heard it at, at first that she wasn't comfortable and i thought i was like hey you good mm-hmm. we're good we're gonna do this together we're gonna go over the steps so it was me anna paquin well, this is why we're on set right before we start filming and i remember her going through the motions and then i would forget a step and then she would laugh, and then she would forget a step, then I would laugh, and it'd be like, okay, if we mess up, we're messing up together. So it was one of those things to build that camaraderie on set immediately because yeah, the whole thing, us together. yeah, the whole thing was about having fun. Yeah. So that was the thing. Um, that's one of my one of my favorites. And then the man stepped in, Zachary Levi. And when Zachary Levi came in, like the the air in the room was like, and it was like focus, attention. It was like it's time to go. But even him. He is hilarious. <laughs> hilarious. Like he came in, he was like, oh yeah, we, we come in, we're doing this, we're doing a step, we're doing a step. And then I think there was a time where we're doing um, the line, I think we had to learn like two line dances. During the second line dance, he was like, yeah, I'm supposed to learn this backwards. He's like, yeah, I'm supposed to be doing the, I'm supposed to be doing the dance backwards. So I guess on, on set during one of our breaks while we're practicing, me, I'm like, I'm going to. I want to talk to Zachary Levi. I want to meet Shazam. Also, Captain Marvel, a.k.a. Shazam, first known as Captain Marvel, was my favorite superhero. Was my favorite superhero. Because I learned years ago that he was the first superhero to fly. They said Superman was the first superhero to fly. No, Superman could leap a tall building in a single bound. Captain Marvel, Shazam, could fly. Oh. And I was like, oh, Superman? Uh. Captain Marvel. That was the hipster in me. Because he wasn't as popular. Then his movie came out. Now he's popular. I'm like, all right, fine. Sure, I got to find a new superhero to love. Oh, you're always for the, <laughs> yeah. the least popular. Always, always. Okay. That's what makes it cool. Yeah. Yeah. If everyone loves it, it's not cool anymore. Right. It's the hipster in me. That's hilarious. But anywho, I learned the um, line dance backwards. So we could practice it together. And it was one of those things where the nervous, the nerves were for him for sure. I knew exactly who he was, but the nerves were like firing. And it was like those, I learned the, I learned the, the dance backwards if you, if you want to do it with me. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, sure, let's do it. I'm like, okay, we're doing the dance backwards. I'm like, all right. Y'all dancing right next to the Shazam right now. Oh my God. <laughs> it was one of those things. But that was the last project um, acting wise that I was a part of couple prior to that was I did full out two as a as a um at a cameo in full out two but it was a speaking role so I auditioned for that Ooh. and I got it and I was like yeah I auditioned for a movie I got it before that was or after that was we turned race dance collective turned hip-hop nutcracker into a movie yes basically I say it's a prequel I call it a prequel mm-hmm. because hip-hop nutcracker will technically take place after this movie oh. yeah so it was, it was like the making of Hip Hop Nutcracker, and it was called Finding Carlos. So Carlos that we have in the show is a inner city kid with his single mother. Mm-hmm. 
a single parent household with his mother and they're having Christmas and the the joys of Christmas that sometimes inner city children don't feel at first because the world is very imminent mm-hmm. going on around those times. You're still having to worry about bills, mm-hmm. but on top of your bills, you're still trying to, to feed your family and, and, and the housing as well as, um, but you don't have everything for the gifts. Right. And he's gifted with a nutcracker. And on and with that nutcracker, it's in the shape of, of his missing father at that time. And there's more that I can go into that, but then they have an adventure. And over time, he learns to appreciate all the gifts that he's already had, mm-hmm. meaning the gift of his community, the gift of his family. And he learns to appreciate that and to where he can use that to build a positive. Because he was, he, was he was a little misunderstood. He was misunderstood. I'm going to go call him a delinquent. He was misunderstood. He was a misunderstood <laughs> kid. So we turned that into a film where this misunderstood kid gets into trouble at a community center and with that he is sent to his father to help him put on what is going to be the hip-hop nutcracker and it is a coming-of-age slash father-son film to where he's understanding the the use of responsibility Mm -hmm. he's understanding professionalism as well as he's battling addiction to um, substance, substance mm-hmm. abuse, and mental health. So it's those connected pieces to help him stand tall. And the, I'm not gonna spoil it, <laughs> but basically he makes better choices. And with those better choices, he becomes over time what he, what he, wants, to, wants, he, what he wants to be. It's like getting on the right track. Those three films specifically were the last projects I did. Before that, it was a lot of music theater. Yeah. It was a lot of music theater and theater, which was, uh, I did. I played Corey in Fences, which is one of my favorites. And I played it alongside another mentor of mine, Jerome Stevenson, who he played Troy, which was like my dad. And that was fun. So those are my la- latest um, projects outside of dance that I really love. And I just want to do more of that whenever I go to Atlanta. Absolutely. In the context of public education, I'm curious, how can we facilitate this kind of mentality in our students who feel like they have to be put into a box, like they're an actor or a dancer or a singer? What kind of support would you have liked to have as a young person trying to flourish as a multi-hyphen person? I think in terms of the youth, yes, those labels are out there Mm -hmm. but it's more so of what do you grasp to do you grasp to this genre this style as a dancer Mm -hmm. do you grasp at the music side of it because they're all connected right but it's what do you what do you attach to Mm -hmm. and if you want to learn it all then we'll learn it all but there's discipline that invokes all of it Mm -hmm. in order for you to connect it all to connect those dots think of it as the own the planets each planet has a name right but it's all part of the solar system mm-hmm. learn whichever ones you're connected to and then connected all under the sun so the sun would be the artistry mm-hmm. it all it gives it all life it is the artistry that is what it is mm-hmm. earth is could be dance sure mars can be acting pluto or what was pluto <laughs> neptune could be <laughs> singing and 
Some are distant, some are far away, but you can acknowledge them. Mm-hmm. But you can gravitate to what your gravi- what you what, what, whatever your your yeah. your gravitational pull would be. For sure. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's how you would connect it with the youth. It's experience giving them as much different experience and see what their minds do mm-hmm. giving them the the opportunity to express mm-hmm. and to experience and see where they f- find strength in nurture that yeah and then see where they don't really like but they at least they can understand it for sure like music i wasn't too fond of country music but I understand it. I, I understand that a lot of people love it. Mm-hmm. And there are some songs that I like. But in terms of me saying, I am a avid country music listener, I can't say that. Right. There is that. There's there's always a, um, a gateway into <laughs> anything. So it's being patient as well as giving them the, 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 the freedom of expression, giving them the freedom to experience and nurturing mm-hmm. those different ideals. Absolutely. I agree. What is your hope for the dance community? My hope is to do it together. Whatever it is to do it together. The dance community needs each other. Because if you're talking about the multi, the, the media side of it, or mm-hmm. I, I can't remember, commercial. Oh, yeah. If you're talking okay. about the commercial world of it, commercial is jazz. Commercial is contemporary. Commercial mm-hmm. is hip-hop, funk, mm-hmm. those different styles. And then if you're talking about the fine arts, which would be ballet, your modern lyrical it would be african dance and they all are connected they all have different disciplines Mm -hmm. and there's only so many teachers and educators in the city in the area and if there's more opportunities for us to all be together that way you can express yourself Mm -hmm. experience each other you can understand each other, and then from there, it'll better progress us forward. Right now, there has been a divide between studio hip-hop and street hip-hop. Mm. They need each other. And why they need each other would be if you want to work and you want to do this as work, understand each other, understand why each one's important, mm-hmm. because for studio hip-hop, studio hip-hop goes, takes you directly into commercial work. Mm-hmm. Street hip hop helps you stand out. Mm-hmm. Street hip hop helps you find your voice, mm-hmm. makes you find what's unique. And also with commercial work, it's those two things specifically. How do you blend in? How do you stand out? That How do you blend in? How do you stand out? You completely need that balance. Mm-hmm. You need the balance to blend in to be a part of a team because that can help you get work. But also, what makes you unique, your freedom of expression. Your experience is the um, it's the street form of it. Mm-hmm. The street form is the is the exploration. Mm-hmm. The exploration helps you um, create new, and helps you create new yeah. on the spot, and it helps you create new under pressure, because there is nothing more pressurized than having a a circle of people. And you go out there, it's just you and the music, and they say, dance. My studio dancers look around like, what do you want me to do? Tell me the right answer. (laughs) Exactly. What do you want me to do? 
And then the flip of it could be putting a street dancer on stage under choreographed work and helping them understand somebody else's interpretation of music and their style at that time. And there's nothing more pressurized than putting them on stage under choreography and their mind goes blank. Absolutely. Each one needs each other. And then the flip of it would be dance is a celebration, dance is a feeling. And everyone should be celebrated. Everyone should have that feeling. One of my favorite highlights of the year is the Calderon Festival. Oh, it was so good. And it was so much fun. Larry said that the street dance was the his favorite part. Really? Yeah. Okay, that's love. And with the street dance, I liked the the salsa. I liked the um the ballroom aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I are you because when you talk about social dancing, you're dancing with people. Right. But then there's social dance where you're like partnering mm-hmm. and working and doing that and I really like and I really love that that kind of connection because you need each other in order for you to do it. I treat dance like that in terms of the community because we need each other mm-hmm. in order for you to really make that joyous. Yeah. In order for you to really have that understanding, in order for you to really push the culture forward is have it to where we're all working together. All of our companies yeah. are working together in collaboration. And it's not one thing over the other. It's us as a community. It's us as Oklahoma or us as Oklahoma City. And expressing that. My favorite thing is that I have friends in different genres of dance. And it may not be my forte to dance ballet, but I'm trained in it. Mm-hmm. It may not be my first dance to do. Mm-hmm. But with that comes more work Mm -hmm. and doing the work to do that, seeing someone that can and play one sense style of music and then they're dancing that way and then flip it to a completely different style of music. And they're like a chameleon and they (laughs) can really blend in and it and there's and there's no there's no hesitation. It's just it's movement in its purest form and it's reaction. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's what's joyous about the community is having fun and then having someone go out and show their and show their thing because it's all impressive it's just different styles different genres and i think for young people too it's about understanding all of it Mm -hmm. that's what i want for the community i want it to all be together i want more festivals like that yes i want more collaboration amongst companies i'm gonna say it again i want all collaboration amongst companies where there's oklahoma city ballet and perpetual motion there's Mm -hmm. perpetual motion and race dance collective there's a show where there's Oklahoma City Ballet Perpetual Motion and Race Dance Collective. We and did that once. We did. For a tornado relief. Oh, yes. I was there. You were, I think, Baby Chris. Baby Chris Dance. I, baby Dance Chris. That was, that was my first year. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. summer. That summer. It was the more, yeah, it was the more uh-huh. tornado relief. Where we did Same Love. But, again, that was nine years ago. Right. And it was for one specific thing. And it was for one specific thing. Mm-hmm. What happens? If that's an annual thing. Magic. There's experience there. Mm -hmm. What happens if you take that and then you take young people to see it? Right. What do their minds do? Their experience to everything. The freedom of expression is there because there's so many different disciplines Mm -hmm. being expressed at that time. Mm -hmm. So the experience is nothing like you've ever seen before. Mm -hmm. And then it's a, I want to do that. Right. And I want to do that. And I want to do that. Now... It's cyclical. Now you have, you can do it all. Yeah. You can learn it all. You can train it all. 
Now, what happens if you have a dancer that grew up that's doing ballet, modern, tap, jazz, hip hop, ballroom, and they are proficient in each of those styles? Right. What do their minds as a choreographer do? You see what I'm saying? What do their minds as a choreographer do? And then as an educator that can speak those different languages and can teach other dancers that different language. What is what does a community like that do? And then you're bringing in African dance and 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 learning how to use instruments. Like the artistry would be that much right. That much more encompassed. It would be it would be more. Yeah. It would be more. Have you worked at Metropolitan School of Dance during their summer camp? Yes. Have you taken their African drumming class? I have not taken. I've oh, heard it. I've experienced man. it. It is a fun class. It is. I've, I've, I've heard. I've yeah. heard. I've, I've peeked in a little bit. I would either I would either be teaching immediately after mm-hmm. or I would be done teaching. Mm-hmm. So it, it was like one of those things where like as soon as I'm done, Transition they're like, again. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yes. That's a really good. The, when you mentioned like having all the different dance disciplines and then include another mm-hmm. area to introduce creative expression like oh yes that yes that's like, an excellent idea and it's it's a, it's amazing like i remember watching flamenco the first time yes. and the, the use of castanets or the or the how they were dancing to the spanish guitar to the mm-hmm. guitar i remember baratinatium experiencing oh, that for yeah. the first time and and learning how to like use my head and <laughs> dance with my eyes where in studio, mm. usually when there's competitions or performances, it's like, you have to dance with your face. Right. What does that mean? Well, in Bharatanatyam, it's this. Mm. In this style, it's this. Mm-hmm. In ballet, it's this. In modern, but it's still, it's, it's, again, it's that mastering of your voice, your mind, and your body. Absolutely. So. Which sometimes we are uh, disconnected. We don't connect our face we disconnect we, yeah. we we put it we put it in the forward we put it in the backs of our minds we don't think about it what is your hope for education my hope for education there's more than one way to teach and i say that first as a dancer and again with hip-hop mm-hmm. studio and street and street you learn from experience you learn from watching and you learn from sometimes imitation mm-hmm. and there isn't a a linear way of how to do it, mm-hmm. it's whatever comes to mind first. Right. And then you're teaching them the experience of the music. You're teaching them um, the sound. So it's it's different levels of teaching or different um, waves of teaching. Mm-hmm. And my first thing is, how do you learn? Are you an auditory learner? Are right. you an, are you do you learn from experience? Do you learn from visuals? Do you learn from um, from from doing it physical? Um, mm-hmm. How do you learn? Mm-hmm. And for education, it's taking all of those different ways of learning and using that through different through different venues and through different genres. Absolutely. I remember learning my learning math, learning my times tables by seeing it all, and then I had to say it all like a song. Mm-hmm. And then that's how I remember it, and I never and I never forget it now. Oh, hold on, the robot's going up. No, you gotta go home, dude. Let's go, robot. Stop. <laughs> Yeah, we already worked this morning. Thank you. I really, we call him Shark Dog. That's cool. (laughs) Thanks, Shark Dog. I'll empty out your bin later. Hold on. 
<laughs> but wait, what were we talking about? We were talking about your hope for education, and I believe before Shark, shark Dog interrupted, and you were talking about how we could ask, how do you learn? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, yes. Specifically the, the relationship of like, street hip-hop and studio hip-hop yes it's it's the understanding of how do you learn um and using different ways in order for you to get the job done or to Mm. to work that because the idea is of of teaching and the idea of learning is it is understanding for sure and it is that experience um i think for in terms of dance as a dance educator would be right now you probably have students that have different um, disciplines mm-hmm. and using music because they're auditory learners or using um, visuals and or physical touch. I remember in college, I didn't understand how to use my body in terms of ballet and modern technique mm-hmm. until I took anatomy. Yeah. Until I understood how the muscles work. Now, when it's like, okay, I am now standing in my first position, regardless if it's turned out or and or not turned in parallel in terms if if it's not turned out or parallel it's the muscles and wrapping it or or even listening to using the visuals of use your your muscles like a candy cane and standing that way and how Mm -hmm. it's how it spirals upwards i didn't understand it until those visual expressions yeah then from there it was even more of a disconnect because i didn't understand it until after i did it and my professor was with me and would and would ask me, how does it feel? And I said, it feels like this. Then you're doing it correctly. And I said, what if it hurts? Then no. Right. Is it uncomfortable or does it hurt? It's right. uncomfortable. Okay, it's uncomfortable, meaning it's new, it's different. Mm-hmm. You haven't experienced that before. If it hurts, <laughs> we don't really want right. to go that route. Mm-hmm. And then it depends on what kind of hurt. Is yeah. it hurt as in you're going to injure yourself? Mm-hmm. Or is it hurt as in... My body hasn't doesn't move like this yet, and you're a little sore. Mm-hmm. It's it's all of those things to where it's me using my senses because then you have to strip away the mirror, which is your visual as well. Mm-hmm. You have to strip away the mirror, so when you're on stage, you have to understand that sensation and using all of those skills in order for you to to achieve the look mm-hmm. and the feeling that you want to achieve. Mm-hmm. So, as in my hope for education is using the different learning styles, as well as understanding there are more ways of teaching. Because in in street dance, you do have to, um, it isn't a first lesson is this, first lesson is that. It's the music's going and it's like being thrown to the fire (laughs) or being being thrown into the the water. Mm -hmm. Can you swim? If you don't know how to swim, we're gonna teach you how to swim through that experience. Right. You're learning through that experience. And there are times where you're like, okay, it was scary the first time. The second time, I've done it before, but it's still scary. The third time, okay, it's not scary, but I don't know what to do. This is what you do. Okay, the fourth time, I have a better understanding of what I'm doing. And then the more and more you do it, the more confidence you build in that. Mm -hmm. To where if it's, hey, Chris, I need you to go out there and dance. Okay, is there choreography? No, I'm just going to play music. Okay, I've done that before. How much time do you need? Two minutes. Okay, I've never done two minutes before. I've probably done a minute 30. Now it's that stretching. Mm-hmm. And over time, it's just that continual that continual stretch. It's building. It's confidence building. As opposed to what I have seen in education, specifically with dance education, it's the no, 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 this is wrong. Mm-hmm. Without the why or without the proper correction, the nurturing of correction, mm-hmm. 
or the nurturing of notes. I remember first learning and, and first dancing and understanding what a note is. Wow. <laughs> that was a learning curve. I thought they were attacking me. <laughs> no, you're doing this wrong. It has to be this. Uh, what did I do? I'm, I'm just trying to dance. And, and understanding what a note is and, and not taking that to heart, mm-hmm. but taking it as if you're giving me this, if you're giving me these corrections, it's to better me mm-hmm. as opposed to saying that everything I'm doing is wrong right. and shifting that mindset. So I think that's a really good reminder for educators to start off with this. I'm giving notes right now mm-hmm. and this is why mm-hmm. for sure. I think that's a really good reminder for us instead yeah. of being like, hey, everyone, you suck. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So this is my last question. Oh. Oh, wow. What else would you like to tell teachers? Hmm. I think that's the full segue. It's the teachers learn just as much as students. Absolutely. The The job of the teacher is to understand your students. Yep. It's to know that your class isn't going to be a one-size-fits-all. Absolutely. And to be adaptable. And I learned that from street dance. I also learned it from being in a theater troupe. It's adaptability to be a chameleon, to throw yourself in any situation where, all right, I know this. How can I teach this to this person? Mm -hmm. How can I teach this to this person? What might work with this person may not work with this person. And it's understanding your clientele. It's also understanding your personnel. And with that, takes work on yourself. Mm-hmm. There have been times where I would go into a master class with a dance fully prepared. But also for my sake, over time, and I learned this from John, is that I would go in with about five dances yeah. at different levels. Also would go in with probably that one dance, but three options of doing certain movements. Yep. Because I... At first, I didn't know what levels they were at that time Mm -hmm. because beginner, intermediate, and advanced can be different in different regions, Mm -hmm. can be different with different dancers. No standardization. So there is no standardization. There is no one-size-fits-all. Absolutely. And my favorite thing to do as an educator, as an instructor, as an educator, is with my choreography or with me teaching – it's finding multiple ways to break something down. Absolutely. Finding multiple ways to break something down. There are some people that, in terms of dance, there are some people that learn by counts. There are some people that learn by rhythms. There are some people that learn it by listening to the song. Absolutely. And there are some people that learn it by stripping all of it away or taking the song and slowing it way down. Yes. So you can hear and or feel everything. Mm-hmm. And if you can do it slow, you can progress it. And it's having that confidence to say, I might mess up this time, but that's okay. Um, I might not get the exact message across the first time, mm-hmm. but that's okay. And allowing yourself that opportunity to grow as a teacher, because that was the hardest thing for me coming in. I thought I had to have everything. I am the teacher. I have to teach you this. Mm. And it's also it's understanding your personnel, because your personnel might be students that are tired of being told what to do. Right. And you coming in and you're doing exactly what they're tired of. Right. They might need someone to do it with them. They might need someone to just do it and they see it and they imitate. Right. At first. 
there's multiple ways to paint a picture. I usually say that my style of teaching is full broad strokes on a um, on a canvas, while some teachers will paint in small dots. Will come up to the same picture, but there's different ways of doing it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's understanding the different ways, exploring different ways, as well as understanding your students and their needs. Can I tell you my secret? Go for it. So I follow the rule of three. Okay. So the first time I speak through movement, I focus on feet because it's the longest pathway, brain to feet. Okay. Oh, okay. And then the second time we do it again and I talk about arms and like the upper body details. Mm -hmm. And the third time we do it, I talk about counts. Hmm. So then I play the music the first time as everyone together. So no one has to be like, oh no, everyone's going to see me when I go across the floor five at a time. Mm -hmm. And then they they do the movement. So not necessarily three, but... I get it. Yeah. But that's... That works. And I can see that working. Mm -hmm. Well, mine is like my experience. Mm -hmm. I started dance late. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my dance was catch up. Yep. So it was about getting there as fast as possible or oh, getting yeah. the picture as fast as possible. And sometimes you need that. And it really works in audition settings oh, yes. where you have to learn it as fast as possible. So with with my teaching style, I'll teach you to the rhythm first. Because mm-hmm. if you can hear it, you could probably do it. Mm-hmm. And if you can feel that rhythm, mm-hmm. regardless of how many different ways it is, it's like it's like beating a drum. How many ways can we beat this drum? Well, I'll do it one way and we'll go over it five times in a span of maybe 30 seconds, (laughs) depending on how long the rhythm is. And I was like, okay, do we have that rhythm? I'll stop. All right, go. They'll do the rhythm. All right, all right, cool. We're going on to the next thing and then I'll add on. So it's more of like a call and response, yeah. Which is also that street level of teaching, where Absolutely. it's call and response, and you're and you're going and in. highly effective. And your mind gets off of the good things and the bad things about it. Your mind gets off of does it look okay? Mm-hmm. What does it feel like? What does it sound like? Your mind goes immediately to that, and then after I get you moving and I get you out of your head, then I'll go back and I'll give you the details. And I think that's what helps me. Because for me, it was like, I got to get the picture as fast as possible. picture. Painting those large. And then you went in and you put in the birds. And I'll put in the details. (laughs) And then over time, you'll look, you'll probably will feel a mess at first. But it's you getting, it's getting out of your way. Mm -hmm. I got to move. I got to move. I got to move. I got to move. Absolutely. It's you getting the, the, the muscles going. It's you getting that the experience out the way and then it's going back and giving you the details to where all right i've already moved this much and then he tells me i don't have to move that much (laughs) yeah so now it's okay i can cool off here i can cool off there i can do as much as i can here maybe take a little edge off here (laughs) drop a level here all right so now the details are there absolutely and even then that is the, the the that's my picture i love that picture because then I see them moving. Mm-hmm. They're already they're already getting the, the workout in. Right. The experience is there. The expression is there because they're just going like crazy. Right. And then over time, you see the picture like morph. Terraform. <laughs> Terraform. <laughs> Yay. Into 
the vision that I was looking for. And then sometimes it changes my vision. Students do that a lot too. Yeah. They're, Mutations can be a great thing. They do that a lot. Thank you so much, Chris, Thank for being you. on the podcast. I appreciate it. I had I'm, a lot of fun. I'm glad. I, I always love nerding out with people talking about dance <laughs> education. Thank you. And how it crosses over into other parts of life. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chris Shepard. I really appreciate listening to Chris talk about his process of moving through his self-identity as a Black American and an African American and how he is evolving his own identity. And that can be a lifetime lesson for so many people when we are shifting out of the culture of dominance. I also appreciate Chris talking about his pathway of serving the community was first building himself and building who he was. And as he came into that self-actualization, he was then ready to expand into being of service to others and being of service to the community. Shout out to John Arietta. I just want to make sure that we always acknowledge our kinfolk, another Filipino-American artist out here doing incredible work to make sure others are supported in their pathways to self-actualization. While Chris and I were reflecting on the time we spent together at Douglas, I want to make it very clear that I loved working at Douglas and a series of unfortunate events had happened to where that fifth year, I just felt so burnt out and I was slipping into complacency, which was the worst thing that you could give students is a complacent teacher. So having that support system allowed me to give care and quality education to the students through race and prairie dance theater. They were the ones who actually did the grant for race to come into Douglas. And that was the support I needed at that time. And I'm so thankful. I think there was a constant theme of Chris becoming aware of how he was working on himself so that he could be of service to others. And I see that as a prominent theme of being one person inside of a collective and how that collective helps us build ourselves so that we can meet the needs of our collective around us. While I was editing this episode, it was very interesting to hear Chris talk about why he goes back and forth between he is a dancer and an artist and both simultaneously. This idea that using the term artist helps us escape the stereotype. And I feel that on a first hand experience where if I tell somebody that I'm a dancer, they have this strange assumption that I'm a sex worker, I suppose. And I think that that is a very strange stereotype that dancers are synonymous with sex workers. And that's not shade to anybody that's a dancer and a sex worker or a sex worker who is a dancer. It's just a very strange stereotype. So I just wanted to put that out there for everyone to contemplate listening to 
Chris talk about artistry and how human interactions really are just artistic expressions. And so when we are artists, we are mastering the feeling of human interactions so that we can help others feel. Because sometimes as humans, we disconnect with our ability to feel. And the arts bring us back in to our ability to feel something when we watch somebody's performance. Also, if you are ever in the Midtown area, please hit up Momo Cha. It is so delicious. I want to go there every day, but it's kind of out of the way for my daily commute. So I need y'all to go to Momo Cha for me and then maybe they'll like, you know, sponsor my podcast. If you haven't seen Hip Hop Nutcracker, please make sure that you take the time to prioritize that because speaking of artistry and human interaction and mastery of feelings, Hip Hop Nutcracker is so relatable to contemporary experiences that not only will you be entertained, you will definitely feel something. I always cry at this tender moment towards the end. You just have to go. You'll see why. This past week at my school that I teach at was uh, Spirit Week, and one of our days was to put something that described you on a t-shirt using the Little Miss, Little Mr. meme idea, or the books. They were originally books back in the day. And I put Little Miss, everything can be explained with astrology. And that is exactly how I felt when I was listening to Chris talk about the relationship of arts and the planets. So whatever grounds you, whatever makes you feel most abundant on earth is your primary artistic expression. Whatever feels the most friction in your body, the most at war with your expression might be your Mars. Mars still exists in your universe. For example, I don't sing, but there are parts of my life that are singing like and that is the Mars in my life. So this organization of planets as artistry is all connected to the sun, your life force, your energy, is astrology (laughs) explained in artistry. And I hope everyone has the opportunity to explore which planets in their universe is which piece of artistry because they all exist within our bodies just differently. I uh, absolutely love that Chris's wish for our dance community is that we do it together. Whatever it is that we do, that we do it together. What a beautiful sentiment. And I, I hope to see it expand into more than just a hope. I appreciate how Chris was able to articulate that studio hip hop and street hip-hop are in partnership with one another. Studio hip-hop leads to commercial work, and in a capitalist society, work is how we survive. And within that, as he said earlier in the episode, iron sharpens iron, street dance helps with standing out. It is authenticity. It's exploration. And it really made me think that a cypher, you know, that circle where you're dancing inside of in street dance, 
A cipher is a pressure cooker for innovation and creativity. I really apologize that my robot vacuum went off in the middle of this uh, and then there was a strange cut. It did take Shark Dog two minutes to dock, so I didn't want to make you listen to two minutes of Shark Dog docking. That's why that strange cut is there. I think that it's a beautiful reminder to us to ask how we learn because that is part of self-actualization when we become more aware of how we organize information empowers us to find that pathway of learning. I value and appreciate this reminder that there is more than one way to teach and this is a great invitation for all of us to reflect and review where we can evolve and engage more of the senses because we know more the brain lights up when more senses are engaged in whatever information is coming in. I appreciate the reminder that nurturing correction and reminding or rather teaching, we have to set up the foundation, we have to teach our students why we give notes and how we give notes and why we give these corrections to empower their learning, to go back to that how do you learn. It's really full circle of here's this information Time, give time to process that information and then reflect on what was that information and how could it be perhaps organized differently to be more effective. I also appreciate that Chris was reminding us that we learn just as much as the students. We as the teachers get just as much feedback and information to process as the students. So it is a valuable practice to really understand who our students are, work on ourselves, and build in options for not only our students, but for ourselves to adapt within. And last, I think it's an excellent reminder that it's confident to be able to make a mistake. I think sometimes we think confidence means we have to be perfect, when really confidence just means I'm willing to get out there and take a risk. And if we, as teachers, can demonstrate that, our students will pick up on that as well. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. I hope that you'll take one more minute and maybe leave a review. And if you have any feedback or you want to be on the podcast, please give me an email at mkgteaches at gmail.com. Or you can message me at MKG Moves on Instagram. I hope that you enjoy a restful Labor Day weekend. And until next time, take care.